0: People that know me, they know I hate the Jersey market. I hate the attitudes in Jersey and I, I hate the way um, we sort of are. But, you know, we're so behind the UK, which is normal, which is fine, but... You mean like open to new and... Yeah, no one's like interested in new stuff. You know, people, as you say, are always going to fill at stakes. you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, come on.
1: My guest today is Tom Radige. I used to work with Tom back in the times when I was still in the hospitality industry and we also done the cooking college here in Jersey together. Tom continued in the industry and he made it all the way up to a position of headship, one of the best places to eat on the island, Sunfire Restaurant. Tom, welcome to Hospitality (laughs) Insights. (laughs) It's kind of a weird situation we are now in because we used to work in the past, but yeah, we never really had like a long conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you for accepting my invite and we're going to go straight into it. Yeah, I have a few questions for you, although I kind of know your history and background, background, yeah. I want other people to understand it because you got now to a really high level for what Jersey can offer uh, in terms of hospitality. And I think you have an interesting story. So could you please tell me what's your career timeline and how you got to work in hospitality?
0: So, I mean, cooking's always been a big thing for me, you know, as you know. Um, you know, from, you know, sort of young, you know, doing a lot of cooking at home and all that. And it was probably more on the off chance going to Highlands College. When I left school, I was lucky enough to get the apprenticeship um, uh, at Alma, which is a new restaurant, Sean Mankin. moved from Bohemia and he uh, yeah, he's, he started Alma, So I was lucky enough to get accepted into there as an apprenticeship. And alongside that, obviously go to college. Um, so I did the college one day a week. And yeah, I just, you know, started this incredible sort of journey at um, Ormer, um in this fine dining restaurant, which is completely alien to, you know, you at that age. Um, prior to that, I did a few years, at, no, so a few months at Longville Manor um, under Andrew Bird. Oh, I didn't
1: know that you worked at Longville yeah. Manor.
0: Yeah, so left, left school at 16, did that, and then, you know, joined Orma on the apprenticeship. So that was, Longville Manor, I say, was probably my first experience in kitchens in terms of sort of fine dining kitchens, um, so yeah, did that for um just over a month, and then yeah, started straight at Ulmer. Um, worked in the fish market for two years. So well, that I was prior, yeah. Years. So it was probably fish market longer <laughs> Manor and then uh, started with Ulmer. So yeah, i starting as an apprenticeship there, and just sort of that just led on. Um, you know, certainly for the first three years, well, certainly for the first year with college, it was just you know an introductory. Period getting used to, you know, sort of living in the adult world, you know, with sort of adults working, making a living, studying, and all that. um Yeah, and that sort of led on for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously, went turned into Sunfire, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, there were a lot of changes. And yeah, we had Lee, the headship that we both worked with, he mm-hmm. was an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least from my perspective, mm-hmm. he was, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Then I've been there for for longer than a month, if it was just to work with that's Sean. You <laughs> no, know, he wasn't my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, and end, yeah, that's the reason why I actually left. But yeah, Mission Star, it was more of a, like, tick that box for me. Right? Mm-hmm. I knew that I'm not going to do it for a long, long period mm-hmm. of time. And I do have a lot of respect for you continuing. I mean, although... You move into it's not a Michelin star anymore, but it's still a high-level uh, restaurant. It's pre rosettes
0: now? Is it is it three or two? What Good question. Uh I think it's three. I think that came through end of last year, but you know, it's not something I you know, uh, worry about too too much. It's um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean I know for people that don't understand, you know, how, how hard it's to to not just obtain a star or obtain some rosettes it's the journey of keeping them in time mm-hmm. so that's that's another one
0: and i think what's important as well it's a journey to, to to get to that point to build the kitchen up to build the team to build you know the attitudes of each member of staff even through the you know kitchen porters and part time chefs to build that up to get you you know enable you to be in a position to obtain that star is i think possibly the hardest bit as well as maintaining it but to get ready mm. to to be knocking out every single thing that goes out of that kitchen every single invoice you read every single you know plate you clean it's all for that michelin mm. um, star or for that sort of um you know idea to obtain it um So yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's tricky. It's not certainly not easy. Mm. I think in the beginning I was naive because I didn't know anything. I was just for me it was more I'm moving out into the adult world and working. It wasn't so much to do with Michelin or necessarily to do with food at the beginning. It was just I'm working mm. and I was working with all these thirty, you know, thirty-five year olds with a wealth of experience in. Drinking, partying, <laughs> cooking, you know, traveling and all that. and So that was a big eye opener to me in the first year. And, you know, as I'm sure you're probably aware, it, it forced me to grow up very, very fast.
1: Oh, yeah, especially. I mean, I, I remember at the time, because, you know, I keep in touch with Alex, mm-hmm. uh, one of your chefs. Um, and I was, I was not, I wasn't surprised. I was, I, I was happy for you. I mean, I was really happy for you, honestly. <laughs> When I when I had that, he's going to take over because it was a big responsibility, and he must have been how many years ago? Two, uh, three years ago, four years, four ago. years. Oh wow, yeah, yeah ju- four years ago, and you move directly from. <coughs> sorry, was a uh, second chef? Or I think I was. It was yeah,
0: I was junior sous oh, junior at the sous. point. Junior sous, borderline sous. Mm. What the difference and all that? Sometimes you know, there's not too much in it. Yeah. But I was sort of yeah, sort of junior level yeah. of that sous chef role, sort of any sort of management. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think it was a sort of joint decision within the business that they were willing to give the opportunity to us, Yeah, you know, and I was willing to say, you know, I'm I'm ready to work as hard, if not harder than I've worked the last few years.
1: It was a wise decision, no question about it, because you were there for longest. I mean, I think you were, you were there from right, right at the beginning of Ulmer, if I'm
0: not, or kind of. I started right? four months after Ulmer, yeah. and, uh, so, so it's not more quite. More or less, you know, like, yeah, beginning I, of it. But I also don't think it's how long <clears> some, someone's been there for, <clears> I think you know, it was a massive gamble, you know, giving a 2021 20, year old the opportunity to, yeah. you know, run that, bu- you know, it's not only run that kitchen, it's run that business uh, or, or sort of co-run that business. Um, so it was a gamble, um, you know, and it, it could have gone either way, um, you know, because it certainly hasn't been easy. But for me, it was that it was a new challenge. And it was, you know, I've always found I, I need a challenge to, you know, that you get sort of I get bored quite quickly in terms of if I'm not working towards something or haven't got something that, you know, gets me up in the morning and keeps me excited, whether that's food or management or whatever, you know, I I get a bit complacent. So I think it was that, that natural next step for me, um, sort of to move forward.
1: How do you keep your staff excited? Because obviously it's one thing, sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, so obviously it's one thing, uh, being excited yourself mm-hmm. but having other people uh, because of, uh, the job of a head chef is not just cooking i mean mm-hmm. most people think you know that you're at the pass you're plating your day is done and you're going home mm-hmm. and your worries are kind of like out of the way mm-hmm. but how do you keep your staff motivated and excited uh, about this journey
0: it's something that's proved a lot more difficult i think the last few years um i think Constant menu changes and constant developments within the business, um, enabling the business to move forward, but also each chef and each member of staff to develop. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. Encouraging them to eat out and travel, you know, aiding them eating out and traveling, you know, taking them out for sort of dinners and lunches and just to experience other chefs, other techniques, other restaurants, you know, other ways of serving it. Cause it's very easy to do one thing one way and just for the rest of your sort of career or the, you know, few years you're cooking, just doing everything that way. And it's, you know, so it's very good to see another way or other ways of doing stuff um, to get that sort of variety. People aren't as inclined to, you know, to travel and eat out as much as I certainly would like them to. You know, I've, I've offered people, I've offered to take people out for lunches mm. to just say, let's go here. Let's experience this chef or this style because it's really fucking cool. Um, And they've gone, they're just not fast, you know? It's like, so there's not much more you can do. So in terms of the kitchen, I think just keeping good morale, good excitement in terms of what we're doing on that day um, or that week, you know, menus, functions, you know, we do a lot of sort of different menus for different events, which allows us to play around with new stuff, maybe try new dishes or use ingredients that we say wouldn't normally use. Um, But, you know, it, it is difficult. It's hard to keep people's motivation up, especially with the long hours. Um, and the stress and all that Um, but you know you can only do you can only do so much
1: yeah definitely can see a good shift and probably not just uh, in your case but uh, yeah in your situation quite a bit actually because obviously we we are both following like on social media Mm -hmm. and I can see pictures with you you taking the guys and going and try different things and trying to kind of like form a team which it's not something that I've seen that much in the past, or to, at least in my experience, or not in every place mm-hmm. I've been. It was more of a like, oh, this is a job. You've got to do the job. Uh, I don't care how much you're going to work, but you've got to work for me. And you know, you're know, you going to get paid if you're going to get paid uh, extra hours. But if not, yeah, you're here to work. And I can see a shift. And even last time we met at the opening of, of the restaurant mm-hmm. in St. Tobin, you were saying that you, know, you got to treat people well. What's the difference? between now and when you started because i i honestly think there is a difference in although i'm not working now in hospitality mm-hmm. i can see a shift with young generation like you like head chefs that you know have a different mindset and they're not the, the old school golden ramsey that will kind of like shout every single day mm-hmm. and people will just hate being there
0: mm-hmm.
1: so what, what's what would you think what what would you say is the difference like how how everything changed in time and for people probably that don't understand even I'm sure when you started and I remember a few experiences at like how was that time comparing to this time do you see any difference?
0: I think there's certainly a, a bit of a stigma and facade about chefs and about especially what I would call the old generation of chefs and it certainly changed I would probably have put it on Five, four or five years ago, there was, a, you know, a big change and a big visible transition into how kitchens are run, how people are treated, how, you know, people communicated with each other, whether that was, you know, head chef to commie chef or, you know, sous chef to sous chef. Um, The industry, I think, like a lot of people know, has changed massively. Likewise, you know, everybody's lives have changed massively in the last, you know, five years with COVID, Brexit. It's become... You know, it's become a very different sort of way of life now. But in terms of kitchen, it's—I mean—attitudes. People, people's attitudes are just not where they used to be. Um, The sort of general attitude of, I don't really care. I don't really want to work. I want, you know, the most money possible, and I want to do as little as possible. And I do understand that in the way we are in life now. But I also believe you're not going to get anywhere in life without pushing yourself, pushing what you're doing. You know, working that bit harder um so yeah attitudes is the main one i think the will to work so people's worth e- ethic has you know completely completely been lost um but it's tricky because it's the way i think the whole island and the whole is evolving so people's attitudes are you know they are going to change
1: it was it was really fun i remember like working with you guys and we had some a group, great group although i wasn't there for don't so, know seven months mm-hmm. maximum eight months I think I can't even remember how much I spent at Ormond and I remember even the times when we went to college in yeah both mm-hmm. together and we were both going with one knife we
0: had <laughs> <laughs> scars <laughs> and burns yeah. and,
1: and one knife between two of us kind of like sharing a knife together it was fun but yeah we didn't really take extremely serious college it was it was almost impossible after doing like what, 60 hours or how many hours we were doing at the time or even more than that, and then going to college and someone expects from us to, to take that
0: extremely seriously. I think it was hard as well because, like, when I was at college, I was I was doing, just for example, you do so much in the day at work and you'd go to college and you spend two and a half hours or two hours, you know, learning or being shown how to fill a, you know, a place, yeah, a fish. And it was like... I don't know. For me it just didn't balance well. Yeah. Like college didn't um back it up what didn't I was doing. Bring at work. it to the
1: next level. No, and,
0: and work was, you know, wasn't backing up what I was doing at college. I was I, fe- I felt I was sort of here with work and college was just a bit of a chore, you know, alongside yeah. the paperwork and you know, of course you're working with a you know, a variety of students and attitudes and personalities. It just I just didn't gel well to it. I didn't also believe the sort of um curriculum as mm. per college was necessarily the right the right way to teach you know young kids how to cook and a, about the mm. industry um like you know education i think there's a lot of things that could be you know rejigged and, and done in a slightly more modern way
1: do you think that that's why the industry suffers because we don't have uh exciting schools you know for different obviously different jobs I mean, I'm talking hospitality in particular because we we've been through that college, and to be completely frank with you, what I learned and what probably helped me the most was just like the hygiene part and all the mm-hmm. all all the b- bacterias and all that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like how not to kill the, people, the classroom stuff, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was the part I think which was really helpful, and I'm like, oh, that I find this helpful, cooking. Not that much. I mean, whenever I think about college, although there were parts, you know, that I really enjoyed as a group and I'm sure like yeah, some of the teachers did their best, uh, it was uh, the part that I, re- I remember the microwave cooking. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> it was literally a, a whole part of like, oh, we need to learn. There's was a whole section food. of yeah. how to
0: cook in a microwave, yeah. which I think people would be quite shocked to hear. It- Not that Anyone does that in restaurants? Yeah. Well, certainly not in any restaurants I've worked in. But um, no, I mean, we support the college massively. I support the college massively. I think they do an incredible job. I think the, you know, three lecturers, four lecturers up there mm. do an amazing job. You know, they've all got fantastic chef backgrounds. Yeah. Um, that, that wasn't said, you know, to them. It was more... Yeah. The curriculum and what has to be... They are kind of forced to, te- to teach certain yeah. things
1: that probably even d- they don't believe in. Yeah, exactly. In. Yeah, I agree, it's I agree. Because the I, chef are, chefs are not bad. There's yeah. no question about it. I mean, most of them work at really high, level. high levels. So. And, and, and they're
0: great people. And it's a great um, it's a great place to be, I think. So I don't think it's anything to do with the school schools or what's offered over here. I think it's just the sort of industry on a whole Um yeah I mean I think a lot of people go into it from school because it's a it's the last option I don't think I don't think they regard hospitality as an industry I think mm. they regard it as just a job to get by mm. to earn a bit of money or I don't know what else to do yeah. I need to cook my you know beans on toast <laughs> and pasta for my dinner every night I may as well do the the cooking show. You know, it's a bit of fun in the kitchen, yeah. frying an egg and. and I all. Mean,
1: probably most of the people we, know, I mean me included. I'm not in in the hospitality, hospitality anymore. But most of the people we know and we we studied with it in college, college, uh, they're not cooking anymore. No. They're not. They're not in professional environment anymore. And I know, yeah, a ton more that that done college prior or after. And I, that's probably a general kind of story in all sorts of industries, but especially in this one, because uh, I talked to Peter Brewer mm-hmm. uh, last time and we had this conversation on like, there are tons of chefs here in Jersey, but they just don't work in the industry. So they're like really good guys that could literally literally uh, take their like uh, shirt and Seriously. jacket, suit, yeah. and then just move in the kitchen and just cook an amazing mm-hmm. dish. But they chose to do mm-hmm. a different Uh, job.
0: So yeah, it's a shame. It doesn't seem to last too long. I just think it's tricky because a lot of people say to me now is like they say, how how are we gonna change this? How are we gonna? And I'm and I'm going. You know, someone said the other day, businesses need to pay more. That's fine, but businesses have you Mm. know a load of expenses to cover. Very high rent in Jersey. You know, they've got Tuesday nights where. People don't go out, you know, there's not a drinking, there's not that drinking culture in certain months and they don't want to go out and spend 40, 80 pound a head on dinner for their family if they could, you know, they want to cook at home. Well, they're taking advantage of all these home, you know, cooking takeaway sort of options. So, you know, I get that. It's not, it's not a case of just paying people more. I cannot believe the price. I can't believe what some people get paid to do jobs over here within hospitality mm. it's just absurd and i can't believe some businesses are doing it and are paying it because it's not sustainable you know and, and i know that for a fact that's not you know yeah, yeah, yeah. an opinion of mine i know it's just not doable you know mm. you can maybe do it and scrape by for a year but it is just not Longer. sustainable yeah, it's not do you know it. and then you're also pushing all the wages within the industry up into this sort of unobtainable level you know similar to maybe the housing prices i've heard people you know um sort of associate it with um the other thing is you know hours it's like yes as a business we can reduce staff's hours which i think a lot of people have do you know straight shifts instead of split shifts you know knocking them five ten hours down a week um but again the fundamental fact is people want to eat breakfast lunch and dinner and especially dinner and people yeah. don't want to eat at five six o'clock. You know the, again the culture, like in big cities in London, and they want to eat later. So, you know, open a restaurant, have chefs that finish at eight nine o'clock. Yeah, it's not really doable. You know, so it's there's only so much I think you can do to change it. At the end of the day, that is the job. That is the sort of hours. As long as you work, you know, fairly, and I think you. You give your, your staff opportunities to have weekends off, to have evenings mm. off. And you do that part as a business to sort of take the responsibility and make sure you've got enough staff, for example, so that one in five weekends, each member of staff can have, you know, a Saturday off for. And it's so important. It's, you know, about morale. And I mean, it's just fair, isn't it? It's, yeah. And I think the more, the, the more you treat your staff with fairness and the more, um, you know, you prove you, you're doing that and making the effort, I think the more respect you have. Because... A lot of it is down to, you know, respect.
1: Yeah, and well, Yeah, I totally agree. And then what some people don't understand, it's, you know, if you want to do most of it in-house, like the cooking, the prep and all that, it takes time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like how long it takes to reduce the stock from like a big pot mm-hmm. to a jus, you know, and people sometimes don't even appreciate it, you know, it's just like, what's this? So we,
0: we've had dishes on the menu before. They take two and a half days, three yeah. days to get that piece of meat or that dish on the plate. Um, And people don't realize that. And to be honest, people don't need to realize it because that's not their job. I don't want people coming into the restaurant thinking, oh, the poor chefs have been (laughs) there all day. You know, there there is an element of, I think being a little bit um, firm about it. You know, we're there to do a job, we do it very well. It's my responsibility, the business responsibility to make sure that the staff are treated fairly You get paid what they should get paid and they have, you know, the appropriate time off. You know, as long as we do that, I don't need the customers going, going, oh, this is taking so long. You know, come
1: in, pay for for
0: meal and enjoy your meal. You know, that's what we want. And we get satisfaction, you know, out of that. Like I think every business owner and, you know, head chef, restaurant manager does. Um,
1: You know, what's the, so, yeah, because you kind of like uh, numbered a few of the duties of a head chef just along these. Uh, conversation but for people that don't really understand what's going on in a professional kitchen what's your job other than cooking and probably this you'll you'll apply to many other chefs but for someone that doesn't understand exactly how it works Because as we talked earlier, the head chef is not just the person that's at the pass and, you know, it's wiping a few purees and it's serving. And after that, it'll be like, guys, clean the kitchen. I'm out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really work that way. Although some people do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We all know. We all know. (laughs) Yeah, we all know. Like some people do it that way. But yeah, it's what are the responsibilities do you have uh, as a head chef to make sure that everything runs smoothly? I
0: think going back to what you said before, it, it very much depends on the person you are and the attitude you have towards the business, the industry, you know, or or your personal career. Um, obviously, you get some people doing 100%. You get, as you say, some people, they'll come in for service, do service and leave after service and sort of leave. Um, I think it also depends how big the business is, how many places there are. You know, there's a A line between exec chef and head chef which i think exec chef is is normally more for multiple places so they oversee um sort of group or a you know multiple restaurants so they will do a lot more office-based stuff and then they will have a head chef in each of them um restaurants or or sort of places um in terms of what i do um cooking obviously is a big part of it it's becoming less and less a part of it now and the actual sort of cooking, cooking the food, spend a lot of time on the pass, running the service, you know, alongside the sous chef and the sort of junior sous, senior chef to parties. We're quite, quite sort of proud to say we give a, you know, everyone the opportunity to do every section in the kitchen, you know, including the pass or, you know, trying to push the sort of more senior members of staff to run the pass and have that opportunity to run the service as well. Paperwork is a massive (laughs) part of it. You know, a couple of hours a day of on the computer, We do a lot of sort of HACCP, which is health and safety, hazard control and that. That gets done a lot by, again, the the sort of junior management, so sort of the senior members of the kitchen will take on that so that they can be sort of consistent and used to to that side of it. Um, Staffing, employing staff, lots of interviews, lots of tricky conversations, um, you know, managing staff. Uh, working closely, very closely with a lot of suppliers over here, um, trying to keep a good and, you know, build a good relationship with them. Um, and then just, you know, day to day running of the business, not so much the kitchen, but the business. So whether that's, you know, getting kitchen equipment inspected or restaurant equipment inspected, insurance, stuff, you know, all that sort of boring stuff that's probably in the back of a business, just a lot, a lot of that sort of stuff. I I've always sort of said it the day-to-day running of a business all that sort of back back side of it is is what takes up a lot of time um but you know it's important for me as well to give opportunities to other members of staff to push you know them because at the end of the day you know they're the they're the future of you know of the restaurant and if they can be the best they can be and have the best opportunities then I'd like to think that in you know years to come they're going to sort of invest that back into the business as you know sous chefs head chefs stuff like that and you know restaurant staff included
1: yeah that's a lot it's a lot behind the scenes that is not that romantic mm-hmm. i would say because I, I worked worked very short well i can't remember how many months up to a year anyway it wasn't more mm-hmm. than a year that's for sure as a head chef and it was like wow there is so much you need to worry about budgets you need to worry about not just uh you know the the, the cooking part was the easiest mm-hmm. one i mean that was the part that we were like kind of having mm-hmm. fun but yeah, other things, you know, going into meetings, explaining this, explaining that suppliers, as you said, but going back to suppliers, how do you keep the constant flow of, of, of ingredients, you know, to kind of sustain this, uh, uh, consistency, you know, of, of, of whatever you need. So how, ha- how, how do you get this? Because we are on an Island and it's harder and harder, obviously, you know, finding ingredients, whatever you want to find these across
0: things. the board. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's difficult on Jersey. It really is. And, um, You know, I can can happily say I'm very jealous of uh, you know people working in London in terms of availability and sort of accessibility with a lot of produce. Um, you've just got to you've got to be patient. You need a, you need a lot of patience um, and just you need to be persistent. You know, it's if you want a good ingredient or a quality ingredient, you you've got to you've got to work for it. You've got to push for it. You've got to be willing to pay for it. You know, for a lot of stuff. And that's something we've seen a lot recently is the price has just skyrocketed on mm. a lot, a lot of stuff. Even the the local stuff, um, you know, the price has gone up quite considerably. Um, it's hard in terms of, if you say, you know, being on an island, the boat services, it's, you know, I think the boat, the last four days has been cancelled. Wow, um, That's just this week. And, you know, we've had, and I know for suppliers point of view, they've had pallets and pallets perishable goods you know cheese and um, stuff sat in France not being able to be brought over so that has an effect on them which then obviously has an effect on us we've got to be flexible we've really got to be flexible um, and in terms of sort of suppliers I try to see my eight main suppliers on a weekly basis they're always on the phone phones always going off you know in the morning texts, phone calls um, because I always ask them to be sort of um, communicative with me um, and even if it's just something little you know let us know let's keep that communication mm-hmm. up and we could you know benefit both of us um, so yeah just you know staying friendly with them try not to <laughs> argue too much we'll get too annoyed um, but c- communication is is the big one
1: is still the where you place orders via phone, uh, or it it moved to online by now?
0: We can email orders. We phone the majority of orders, and we there's a couple of apps available, so mm-hmm. you can dial in on a computer or phone, and you can you know place the order on an app, which is which is good in a, a lot of senses because um, it's all visible there. You can yeah. check you know stocks and and all that, but yeah, it's it's never straightforward. Yeah,
1: I left right at the time when they started implementing these and then I was okay with it. I mean, no matter what, you know, you kind of like need to move with the technology the same way. We, we order a lot of stuff from Amazon, if they kind of make it easier, kind of in the same way, mm. why not? I'm not, I wasn't kind of like, oh, this is going to it's gonna be so bad for us. There were a few people in the kitchen, I'm like, calm down, you do these orders all the time on Amazon, it's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they make it, you know, as user friendly. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it moved back then to the phone because there are quite a few people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. were like, oh, you know what, this is not.
0: I mean, okay. yeah, there's always going to be issues, technology and that, and it, it does prove to be be a pain sometimes. But again, it's patience and, you know, persistence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get there, you know, there's a lot of companies, a lot of businesses over here now moving forward with that sort of stuff. And it is, I mean, the end goal is to make it easier for them, you know, and for the customers, you know, which is us. But yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of getting getting the stock is another, you know, another thing.
1: Can restaurants leave from local, produces and ingredients and be like full stop? Is there such a thing? Because like there are people thinking that, in my opinion, it can be done. I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean, we have potatoes, we have milk, and then yeah, kind of combine the two and so, then I make mean, the most of it. You
0: say like Amazon, for example, I use Amazon for probably one percent of orders for the restaurant um although amazon's fantastic prices are good i we we use it occasionally but you know i'm saying suppliers all the time can you get me this i really need this i will use it for the year and i can tell you two other restaurants that will use it but there's you know some some of the businesses are tied to what they can buy and they've also got to make a profit they've also got to make it worth it now they've got a warehouse yes but it's full to the brim with a lot of stuff you know they get condor deliveries or overseas deliveries twice a day sometimes some of them every single day you know five six days a week um so for them to bring in a very very small ingredient or a couple of packets of this it's not necessarily doable so it does make it a lot more difficult to to stock sort of not the normal stuff if that makes sense Mm -hmm. if we want to use some different fruit you know from halfway across the world or some different spices you do have to normally find it yourself um, I think purely just because Jersey being the size it is. Yeah. Um,
1: but you try to use mainly local ingredients. Is that the aim? Uh, it or? is.
0: I mean, sometimes the quality is just not there. And I, you know, I'll be honest. A lot of people will disagree with me or say, you know, it's not. It's not all about that. But the consistency and the quality is not always there. You know, you may get, for example, you know, five stunning red mullet on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the next three weeks. You can't get a single fish. You know or well, the, the size is a big thing as well you know so if we pay a couple of pound a kilo more we can get perfect graded fish from the UK you know and especially restaurants like Samfar, it's what people expect you know yeah you know we you can't we type. can't be getting away with you know farmed sea bass fillets that are you know mm-hmm. four or five mil thick um so yeah we, we try to buy as much as possible and we do have some fantastic for, you know, for the size we are, we have some incredible produce like strawberries, asparagus, rhubarb, for example, just to name three. Duck eggs, free-range chicken eggs. You know, we have some of the best eggs. You know, all over the UK, uh, mm. you know, locally produced over here. Um, fish used to be incredible. You know, I remember fishing and diving. I mean, yeah, you used to walk, du- actually. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I remember, I remember fishing and diving myself. And when I first started sort of diving, we would. You know, we'd, on an easy 40 minutes under the water, we would have 10 place, Dover sole, a couple of crabs and a bag of scallops. You know, I went four years ago and we were lucky to get one or two place and half a dozen scallops, wow. you know, and, and just from, just from doing that myself, I can see the, you know, the impact of whatever the causes are, you know, that there's the fish just aren't here anymore. The sizes aren't here anymore. The breeding's not here anymore. You know, and then with obviously everything else that has happening, fishermen, for example, aren't, you know, it's not sustainable or profitable for them to go out and spend eight hours in the rain, the pissing wet, the winds, you know, the dangerous sort of conditions to come, to be lucky enough to come back with half a box of fish that they can then sell on for 30 quid, that the, the merchants can then sell on for, you know, 65 quid for us to buy. And then we, you know, then we sell that on. So it's it's a very difficult sort of market. Mm. um hence why everyone is spending a lot of money buying from the uk um the dairy over here again is fantastic Mm, we've seen some big price increases yesterday was another one 15 percent wow um you know which is again the the climate we're in now it's a big you know it's a big jump but if we if we want them to stick around and still be producing such a good product for you know such a small island, we need to be willing to pay them prices. You know whether whether we absorb half that cost and you know mm-hmm. implement that on our menus or sort of selling that forward, you you just got to do it. You know. It's, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's in, certainly in terms of like local growers and local producers over here, we've got a very good sort of network of jersey produce the jersey beef is starting to make a bit of a scene um, is there enough?
1: because like I remember when I was working it was always like a fight between the between like four or five restaurants or so
0: there's not enough to buy everyone not everyone will want to buy it at all uh, okay. um, I don't think it's 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 found its place in the market yet to be the prod- product it needs to be or, or it could be um, I think that will come because it's a fantastic prod- product but as a as a sort of selling point, it's all not there. Some cuts are better than others. Again, the consistency um, in terms of maturity and size is not there. I was there.
1: going to say, yeah, I remember it was literally like a, like a, I didn't know, like a fried egg, you know, it was literally, you put a hand on it and it would yeah. fall apart because yeah. it
0: wasn't uh, so mature. I remember the, the ribeyes, rib they used to be, you know, two or three times the size of that as opposed to six or seven. Mm-hmm. You know, they were tiny. Um, the sort of, the bigger cuts, like sort of the shin part of the leg, mm. um, the short rib, brisket, all oh, that was fantastic. All sort of braising cuts, just cuts of meat you'd cook for a lot longer, mm-hmm. you know, for stews and pies and that, um, were fantastic. They had a beautiful fat on, they're really nice and tender, nice marbling. But then the fillets and ribeyes and the primer cuts that people would expect, um, more so going out for dinner and certainly high-end restaurants, it just they weren't there up to consistency. The price was also high because they were they weren't producing a lot. So for 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 businesses for restaurants, we, it just was a no brainer. We just had to go with the you know the UK stuff, the French stuff, the Irish stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially you know in terms of beef. But it's it's certainly getting there. I think they've changed. There's a couple of places north of the island that have certainly changed the way they're doing it and producing it. So I think hopefully the next couple of years we'll see more more you know on the menu um, pigs are the same to get the jersey pork has been fantastic but it's hit and miss <laughs> you know they'll turn around the next week so oh, we're not slaughtering this week you know so yeah. we won't be able to provide any so it's very difficult to to run to run a consistent mm-hmm. restaurant and obviously consistency being such a big part of um i think restaurants and hospitality it's, it does make it difficult solely buying from jersey
1: do you think like because the way i see it as well it's Customers are kind of making hard these journey quite hard as well because everybody wants fillet steak, everybody wants a, a rebuy steak, and sirloin steak, but they kind of they they wouldn't try like different parts of the uh, of the animal cooked like to perfection sometimes mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you guys know why you're doing. I have to,
0: I fight I fight about this all the time, and for people that know me, they know I hate the Jersey market. I hate the attitudes in Jersey, and I, I hate the way. Um, We sort of are, you know, we're so behind the UK, which is normal, which is fine. But you mean like open to new? Yeah, no one's like interested in new stuff. You know, people, as you say, I just want to fill at steak. You know what I mean? And it's like, (laughs) fuck, you know, come on. You know, you're one of the best restaurants on the island or wherever, you know, try something new. You know, something else that gets me, people will eat meat and they go, it's chewy. You know, this is chewy. (laughs) It's not chewy. You're eating muscle. You're eating a piece of meat from an animal, from a working animal. It's going to have some bite to it. You can't expect every piece of meat you put in your mouth at a fine dining restaurant to be like butter. You know, yes, fillet steak is tender. We all like it in a certain degree for that reason. You know, but it's, yeah, I, I wish people gave, especially restaurants, a better chance in terms of trying new stuff. And we've done it, we do it a lot. And I have this, there's a um, a great couple um, called Layton and Gabby who own Jade Fisheries. So they're fishermen um, and fish wholesalers now. And we have a discussion all the time about, um, you know, in the this, in this season, there's an abundance of gray mullet over here. And it's a fifth of the price of sea bass. It's and it's not extremely huge difference, no. most people wouldn't really Most don't. people wouldn't know, you know, chefs <laughs> yeah. included, yeah, honestly, yeah. especially if it's been battered or, mm. um, you know, sort of... you, pan- pan- you add some pan- lemon there, a of exactly. time. See you later. And it's a beautiful <laughs> fish, but I have tried using Pollock included whiting, um, putting it on the menu and, you know, I've had eight year old ladies come in and go... We used to eat this in the, in the war, you know. This used to wow. be given to us as a... We don't expect to be coming to a restaurant like this and being served, you know, served this for a fair price. Yeah. You know, and a nice piece of fish. We were buying 10 key, uh, ten pound plus fish, you know. They were nearly a meter long, you know. So they had a really nice thickness, loads of moisture in. and We were cooking them beautifully and doing some really nice stuff. With them. People just see that word, mullet or pollock or... And they you know, And they just won't order it. You know, this whole... Posh fish and chip phase. Do you remember all the restaurants yeah. were putting posh fish and chips on, and they were battering turbot and lemon sole and Dover sole. It's mad. It's mad. <laughs> it's it really is. It's
1: with such a fine peel, uh, such a fine uh, fish, you know, like turbot. You wouldn't really. I mean, extreme situation. You probably defry fry. But let's be honest. It's got so many other
0: yeah better
1: ways of cooking than defrying it.
0: It's, it's frustrating. And then the market is just the market for turbot and cod. I mean. Everyone knows COD's a prime example. We've yeah. all seen the the documentaries on it. Yeah, um, You know, the market, is, the, the COD or the turbot market is absolutely hammered because people, you know, want this and expect this. Um, you know, being forced to buy small, thin turbot, it's just not what, you know, not what we want to do where you can get beautiful beautiful brill or, you know, halibut and stuff like that. But I had a comment the other day about, um, what do they want? I think it was something like halibut. Halibut's not posh enough. Wow! Something like that. You know, halibut. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's bad. So I think, yeah, perceptions are a big thing. I would love to change them. I don't think any one person or any one business is going to be able to change perceptions. You're going to have people open to it. Um, and you're going to have a lot of people who aren't. And a lot of people that will come around. But I think time, time is probably the best thing. Would you
1: say that this is kind of, I mean, I, I really appreciate that you're trying to do that because it's something that uh, just, most people just kind of work with the flow. Are these kind of like five, ten dishes that work well? We're going to continue this in different shapes or forms, just kind of like adopt them, change garnish here and there, and just continue with that. You know, business is, doing, is booming. See you later. But do you think that this is uh, anyone's duty as a head chef to try to, educate people because i think that that's a bit of education part in here as well to to show them that you know it can be done otherwise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you think this is
0: I, I think massively yeah but i also think it depends on you know the business you know you own a cafe or a, you know restaurant which is targeted to kids and families you're not gonna be trying to push gray mullet and, and pollock on them yeah. or you know cheaper cuts of beef you know done differently um likewise i'm not gonna walk out into my restaurant and educate people on how they should eat a steak and what it should be like and actually you need to enjoy that chewier steak more than that one that's not my place you know it's not my place to do um it's also not our place to you know tell people they should be eating that and they shouldn't be and at the end of the day and this is the sort of it all boils down to that you know i'm not we're not doing this for fun you know we, we've got a business to run Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got targets to hit and we've got, you know, we've got staff to pay. So if that means sucking it up and putting turbot on the menu or sucking up and putting fish and chips on the menu, that's what we're going to do. If we're going to sell 20 of them over one Bivette steak, you know, unfortunately, I'm, we're going to go with the stuff that sells and the stuff that people want. Because I'm not going to piss all, all the customers <laughs> off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but then also, you know, at far we we do a lot of event nights. We do a lot of charity stuff. You know, we do a lot of stuff like that. I'd say quite considerable, um, whether that's um, something fun for the staff. You know, we talked about motivating staff before. We did a champagne dinner last, end of last year. This year we're hoping to do a sort of sustainable fish event, um, a truffle event towards the end of the year when we've got all these beautiful truffles. Um, So we, we do lots of stuff like that. We also have different menus throughout the year. You know, Valentine's coming up, for example. We're running a special menu through the month. Uh, we've got a tasting dinner on, on the um, 14th for dinner. Um, so that enables us to do different stuff. Possibly we'd mm-hmm. get different clients in, different customers mm-hmm. would be coming in, you know, slightly older group or younger. So that gives us the opportunity to have fun and use stuff. Possibly we wouldn't normally use, you know, for example, a different fish or certainly a different cut of meat. So we do quite a lot of that, which gives us that opportunity to, mm-hmm. You know to be sort of diverse
1: yeah that's what i'm saying you although you know in the menu you'll you'll be adding uh stuff that obviously does well because it's a business in the end but it's it's something to appreciate that you also try to to add things you know that might not do that well or something that is new so people kind of understand oh by the way it can be done otherwise Mm -hmm. there are other options you don't have to go for sea bus all the time you don't have to go for for a fillet of beef all the time Mm -hmm. so that's something to appreciate now staying on the uh, topic of food which yeah we'll continue Um, is there something that you like cooking is something that you hate cooking do you have something like that
0: i love Every food, I love everything. I don't think there's anything I don't really like. I don't like oysters on a wet day. (laughs) I don't like eating oysters when it's raining. But it's more of like the cooking part. Cooking side, no. I mean, Asian food. I love eating Asian food. I love cooking Asian food. um, Sort of Southeast Asia. Mm. Sort of that sort of range is probably my favorite. But I love everything. Love eating everything. Cooking everything. There's nothing I sort of don't really enjoy cooking. I mean, there's certain jobs in the kitchen. I would probably not be upset if I never had to do again. Um, <laughs> but no, apart from that, I sort of, on the whole, it's...
1: Is there certain food or certain restaurants that you like to see in Jersey that we don't have at the moment? Asian restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so more of that, yeah? Um, better level, Asian restaurant not, or diversity?
0: I think, yeah, better level. I, I don't mean more expensive or... You know, posher. I just mean street food kind of style. Just a better quality of food. You know, someone in the kitchen who knows what they're doing, who's not afraid to do something a bit different. Or I think we've we've got some fantastic restaurants over here, but I don't think they're in abundance. You know, I think there's some brilliant ones dotted about, but I think they also we also lack a level of um, consistency. It is a big one, um, and I think just just. A, just a sort of level of um, quality, you know, in terms of what's on the plate. Mm. Um, and I know that's difficult because we're in a bit of a staffing crisis, you know, with obviously what's happened the last last few years. It's not easy, but I, I do hope that in a few years, the level of food will, will sort of get a little bit higher over here. More restaurants will open that will be doing more diverse stuff um you know a better quality or more importantly a a better consistency you know whether that's a street food cafe or uh, you know a big 200 cover restaurant but then i you know i i I do understand that it's you know it's about running a business and making a successful business and you can't just pull you know a quarter of a million pound out from somewhere to just do something fun or different you know Mm -hmm. so i do sort of appreciate that side of it as well
1: Will we see Tom opening a restaurant any soon or in the future like Asian <laughs> maybe maybe maybe, yeah? maybe. Would, so, would you like to have your own place i mean i'm not saying that you need to give me a straight answer uh that five, you know,
0: 5 years ago 6 years ago 8 years ago yeah all i wanted to do was have my own place do what i wanted and just have this you know this really really cool restaurant um now i probably wouldn't say that i think things have changed so much not necessarily for the for good um, you know, f- for for the for the better, um, I think it's yeah. Things have changed so much that I think it's become a lot more unattractive to own your own restaurant. You know, staffing is probably the big biggest thing. The mm. uh, expenses, the high overhead costs. Um, you know, the initial startup, but also you know the first five years. I think it's become a lot more, um, yeah, you know, a lot more tricky to do. Um, especially, you know, if not, if you don't have the backing or you know the financial sort of backing, um, we'll see. We'll see.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, Thanks. it's kind of like an open. Oh, yeah, it's an open kind of answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe yes, maybe no, depending on the circumstances. But how do you see like coming back to the staffing problems? Because that's that's probably the one which is the biggest issue of these of these days. How do we get out of this? Do you see a? Do you see a net na- a good? and out of this or is it going to be a constant struggle over the next years how how what should we do in your opinion is there something that we
0: can do i think businesses just need to make it as um as attractive as possible for people to work you know really take time to look at hours pay you know work conditions stuff like that um you know we talked about motivation before you know keeping the teams motivated whether it's kitchen and front or you know the whole team as a business um i don't know i don't know what more there is that can be done i think it's an element of just seeing how the next few years um pan out you know brexit has obviously hit the industry but also the island very hard um i hope it's going to it's going to stay attractive for people to get into coming from school um and leave sort of leaving an education and finding work and I think if if we do our part by putting the training there, the skills there, um, the opportunities there, and I think it certainly will get better. I think also as Jersey, you know, if they can, you know, work as hard as possible to get, you know, this op- these opportunities for people from overseas, you know, to come over and train over here or work over here, even if it's for just a time period. But that, you know, again, has proved very difficult unless you have plenty of accommodation to do that. You know, it's it's a lot of work for. To get one person over here so i think that's something where jersey you know in terms of the states and the government can come in and and do their part to make that a little bit more accessible
1: yeah i mean brexit he really bad especially these these uh this industry you know that it can't really afford like a, I don't know a big firm you know that that's here in financial services to uh, offer the salaries mm-hmm. probably even situations when they offer accommodation uh, even if they don't have their own, they could kind of like pay for, for that person.
0: It's 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 hard. It's just not a thing anymore of people, people working somewhere for their CV or because they no. really like the food. Or, you know, that was a massive thing when we, yeah. when or certainly when I started, you know, when yeah. we worked together. You know,
1: I worked for free in quite a few places. You do, here. and just it was a yeah. thing to yeah.
0: do. You would gain the experience yeah. and, and you'd work for a head chef or a business that you really respected and you really liked. And they were kicking out some really, you know, cool food or you know, they they were just a good business model and you would, yeah, you'd work your way up and it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. People leaving college, look at, you know, scrolling down for a sous-chef position, you know, because (laughs) it's just, it's madness. So, no, I I don't know how we're going to come out of that. We'll we'll see. I think everyone does their part and, you know, we just see. But there is also an element of just sucking it up, getting on with it, doing what you do. Because there's only so many conversations you can have about staffing and Brexit and, you know, it's...
1: Yeah, yeah. If if you think too much about it, you, you better yeah, kind of like close the got place. To get down. On with it. You know, that's <laughs> something
0: we we've done at some fires last year, especially was just okay. This is where we're at. You know, this is what we got to deal with. Let's just adapt and, and deal with it in the best way possible. And you know, I stuffed my kitchen up last year more more than ever. Not in terms of members of staff, but just in terms of building it to get it where it needs to be. Because I know we may have another you know bumpy year ahead. And I don't want to worry about that. I want, to, I want to know I can trust my guys and the kitchen can run itself, allowing me to, you know, to do other stuff and, you know, plan for the the years to come and, and work on sort of other opportunities.
1: Yeah, talking about experience and yeah, obviously, as I said, you know, we both work, you know, for pretty much no money at the beginning mm-hmm. or for even for, for free. Yeah. Um, and probably you even more than me because I remember you were doing this apprenticeship, you know, that it was absolutely, it was an absolute kind of like, not scam because it was legal but mm-hmm. it was like below the below the minimum wage if i remember well but you still kept going which yeah kudos to you and mm-hmm. then you you go into this amazing position do you have any mentors mentors or do you have uh chefs that be like okay this is this is the person i learned the most from or this is the person that i respect the most or this is the person i follow uh I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have people like that?
0: You know? no, not so much now in terms of following someone or wanting to be, you know, like them. The the original team when I started at Orma, I'd probably owe all my sort of <laughs> gratitude to. Um yeah, the the team there, you know, including Sean, Lee, the two sous chefs, um, and the rest of the team, it was, you know, they like I said before, they I grew up seriously fast. I had to to fit in there and to sort of adapt and and stay there. I had to grow up, you know, in terms of personality as well as, you know, learning, you know, you had to learn very, very fast. So they were massive mentors, every single one of them throughout the first sort of five, six years of my career. Um, All of them, you know, it was whether that was outside of work or inside of work. Um, No, in terms, you know, there's restaurants I love and, and chefs, you know, James Close at Raby Hunt, I think it's a fantastic sort of business model. I think they're a fantastic chef model, you know, and him and his wife who work in the kitchen and and own own the place themselves. It's, you know, it's a great sort of look up for them. to them, sorry. Um, But yeah, there's no one I would say I sort of, you know, aspire to be like. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you have places here that you like? Like, what would be your... Top three restaurants here in Jersey that'll be like, you know Uh. (laughs) what? Because that's that's, whenever people ask me these kind of questions, I have a hard time to give them an answer because things change all the time. There's not consistency. Yeah, there's not. I mean, yeah, you guys, you kind of kept, you know, places, the way I know how to recommend the places, whether they kind of like keep their stuff whether a head chef or sous chef, you know, they kind of have a structure, you know, that's been there for a long period of time mm. and you guys did that. So that's one of the place, but the places, but there are not many that they do that. So how do you...
0: So I, I, your... I do think consistency, I know I keep going on about it, but it's such an important part. You look at a business model, for example, McDonald's, they yeah. are so consistent with every single thing they do. You know what you get? It's the reason they, you know, I, I do put it down. It's the reason they've got you know, a multi-million pound empire because it's consistency. Yes, they offer great products and what they do is nice, but it is just a burger at the end of the day But they've got every element of that burger, including the price and the packaging, correct. And they've stayed consistent. As you say, you know what you're going to get. You know the price is going to change. It doesn't matter who's behind that counter or behind that grill. It's going to be the same, you know, and that's with a lot of franchises, especially with fast food. Uh, Restaurants in Jersey, it's a tough question. (laughs) <laughs> it's like when people, people say to me, what's your favorite thing to eat? And I say, everything. Yeah. Everything. Honestly. Cold Asian salads to you know to sloppy roast dinners. Is, yeah. I mean, like I know you cook good.
1: a lot at home, so that might not be... That, yeah. No,
0: I mean, I, I love eating out. We used to eat out a lot. We don't so much now because of, you know, things have just changed. But my sort of top three restaurants... Park House, the Thai at Columbia. Oh, right, yeah. I tried have. that. I,
1: well, I wanted to try, but it was fully booked. It's is a small mm-hmm, place, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. if you don't book in. They're just it. great,
0: and I just love what they're about. It's like they've you know gone to somewhere in Thailand, picked it up, and dropped it off. I'm not saying that necessarily works or that's the thing to do, but yeah, what they do is really cool. Um, I mean, if you want to keep
1: it at that level, like with one and no, I'm not. I'm not. Your, I'm got, not. Not saying <laughs> it out of like.
0: Um, <laughs> Politics or anything. I'm. I'm generally. You know, I'm trying. I went to Kyoto. No, I went to um, Batana the other night, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. That was really, really good. That's
1: is it? Age Asian? It's, as no, well, it's again. Spanish. Japanese, Spanish. Spanish. Oh Spanish. no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. I'm. I'm mixing that up. Batana's. With, a, yeah. yeah, yeah the way right. Yeah, yeah. That's the Spanish I one. Went yeah. there.
0: Had nearly everything on the menu, oh, yeah, and know. it was very pleasantly surprised with the quality. And yeah, everything. it was fantastic. It was really, really good. Um, yeah price was good you know it's slightly on the more expensive side i didn't expect anything different and i don't think people should because what you're getting like a lot of better restaurants there are a lot um,
1: of ingredients that come from well, all expensive. the way from. it's like yeah.
0: you know very very expensive and if you want to eat that you know it's been cooked fantastically if you want to eat that you gotta pay for it people over here i think are too um too used to going oh it's too expensive it's, you know it's, the price is too high it's like get over it it's what the price is now do you know what i mean it's yeah it's, it can be tricky so i think certainly if you want that you simple fact you've got to pay for it um so batana was great um quayside never had a bad meal at Keyside. fantastic wine list bollywood bites probably the best curry over here
1: yeah I know Peter said the same thing. I like bags, Don't bags wrong. It, yeah. yeah, Peter likes it, he loves it. It's literally was like that's my favorite place from yeah. stop And I like it too. But I always said, you know, that it's it's good, but it's kind of hard to have a, a good understanding of Indian food because I've never been to India to kind of yeah. taste authentic yeah, and yeah. then have but if it works for you no matter what, you know, I'm not saying that you need whether you if you eat Thai, you need to go to Thailand and come back and yeah, then have yeah. the Thai and then, then if, make if a you enjoy it, If it works form, for yeah. you, that that's all good. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Bollywood buys they they have a good service. You know, mm-hmm. the, the headship mm-hmm. comes and talks mm-hmm. to you, what do you like and all that? I don't know whether it's the best place in Jersey when it comes. Like I, I had great meal at Noya Shapla, for example, mm-hmm. Indian. Mm-hmm. But then there was uh, I, i don't know how long after it wasn't that great so i'm like yeah you know again we're coming yeah, back to consistency, consistency.
0: But it, it all it, it all boils down to that i mean i've had some fantastic meals but meals at and i've been back five times it's been terrible you know longville manor is fantastic and what they do it's such a stunning place um i think the food's changed there a lot hmm. over the last few years i think a lot of people will agree um yeah i mean like i said there, there a lot of great restaurants over here. It's just the consistency, I feel, lets it down. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and on this page of consistency, what's, what, what's your opinion about the Michelin star guide? Because obviously that's their biggest thing, you know, consistency. They want to see you uh, doing a good a quality meal, no matter when, whether it's 12 a.m. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, 8 in the morning. They want to see exactly that that consistency, you know, the high standards. Is the Michelin star guide the same thing as 10 years ago, as 15 years ago? No. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, I I don't believe so, no. I think it's changed a lot. Like everything has, you know, not necessarily bad, but it's changed a lot. I think their aims and morals have changed a lot. Um, Not so much the Michelin guide, but I think what people interpret the Michelin is. now. You know, I'm not knocking them at all. They're It's a fantastic company. They've done some incredible stuff yeah. and they've built this, again, this empire of fantastic way to eat and travel as well. You know, it's not just eating, traveling, you know, it's, a, it's been a great thing, um, you know, alongside them. I just don't, it's not something I've ever been interested in. Um, I've had some great meals at Michelin awarded places. I've had some terrible meals at Michelin awarded places. I've had some terrible meals at, at the best restaurants in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some incredible meals at restaurants with no accolades at all, who are not interested, you know, who don't. And them, them meals have been better, them experiences have been better than the places that have, you know, three Michelin stars, five rosettes and a window full of sticker awards, you know. Mm. It's, and I, I've, I've been really let down by eating in the, the higher places, the three Michelin star. To Michelin as well, um, been let down. And I've just, you know, I've sort of come to the conclusion that it doesn't mean anything. It's not a, like, as I said, yes, some of them, you know, are, uh, you know, really special and really worth a visit. But I think on the whole, I, I don't look at it anymore as a, you know, where should I go and eat? Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, having said that, I've been some, one of the best meals of my life at a two-star. Um, I just don't feel the Michelin is a... Is a, a sort of good enough rating. They brought out this green star. It's not complex
1: enough probably to uh, I just, I just, rate.
0: I think it's, personally, I think it's a bit corrupt and a bit, you have to spend your whole life, you know, as a chef or as a business owner, your whole life or four or five years of your life doing Michelin and cooking for Michelin and buying plates for Michelin and doing service for Michelin. They say Michelin should, you know, especially the first star is just the food. Yeah. I'm not sure whether I believe that, That's, you know, and this has nothing to do with my journey or nothing to do with my career. This is other people's um, opinions and, you know, other people that, and I'm including people who have been awarded one stars and, you know, two stars in the UK and all over the world. You know, they, they've said the sort of same and we've had conversations about it. And yes, the, the recent thing they've done is this green star.
1: Oh, I didn't um, know about that. They've
0: released like a green star and it's for like eco sustainable restaurants and restaurants that are, you know, use using their waste and you no, know, I I know there's I know two restaurants, I know the head chef very well, and they've been awarded these green stars. Here in
1: Jersey? Or? No 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 no. Oh I'm no, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, no. It would have been a big news if you were. Yeah, no, it. it's
0: not here yeah. and you know, the only reason and, and they will admit this as well, the only reason they've got it is because they've got a garden. And they use the garden for herbs and for you know, and it's and I'll be frank, it's bullshit. It's it's really <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like stupid um, because their wastage is higher than yeah. well, some of the them. Is that
1: way because they have a garden, yeah, they right?
0: They do, think. but I mean, what you want to go to eat somewhere because they got a it's just it's just yeah. Uh, so it's it's not for me. I don't think it gives a fair representation of um, sort of restaurant and that. And I think it's gone in the way of being a bit sort of political and a little bit um you know i don't believe it's true to maybe when it first started it was all about the food i don't necessarily think it's like that anymore you know
1: some shit can get away with it you know with they they prepare really good food when they have an inspector and then the consistency counts. kind of goes down the hill between these Uh,
0: is there such a thing well i mean i always i was always told miss you don't know when the michelin inspectors in 95% of the time you do know when the Michelin inspector's in because <laughs> it's wonder, it? can obviously you know, you may as well yeah. walk in with a flash of light on their head. Um, so yeah, I think it can. I think some restaurants have got so much money, they've got, you know, um so much backing from whether it's an investor or the owner's got that much money, that they just pour money into this business and it fits that bill of a Michelin star. You know, and if they do a few pretty little dots and a few swells of, you know, they, they get it. And I, again, I don't think that should, I feel like they should almost reinvent Michelin and sort of scrap it. Not scrap everything, but, you know, people yeah. work, for, they just, Adapt, they ruin their lives for five years to get a Michelin star. And I just don't think it's right. You know, I don't think it's a good business model because they're not, prof, you know, it's not profitable to cook for Michelin to do that. It's, um, you know, and you just work, you are sort off. Way more than you should have to and way more than normal. And all your staff are the same. You know, it's a much higher stress environment. You spend a lot more money, you know. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of places are lucky enough to have that expendable cash. But, you know, it's not necessarily true, if that makes sense. So I think what a lot of people don't realize.
1: Would you say that Rosette, the, the guide, you know, it's in a, better, in a better place or they are kind of in the same situation?
0: Uh, I don't really take the notice of either of them, to be honest. I'm sort of like Michelin more than Rosette because I believe it's more to do with the food. I think Rosette is more... Experience uh, as a whole. It's more, yeah, hotels. And I think it's great for hotels, you know, for the ratings with that. But in terms of restaurants, I don't know. I, I don't even know what the sort of categories are. or um, No, I don't take the no notes of it, really.
1: Because I find it really weird. Like you have, I don't know now, but I'm sure what I've seen in the past. You have restaurants with like, four rosettes or three rosettes and they don't have a, a Michelin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's going on here? Because, you know, sure, if these guys kind of like believe, you know, that there is this is a great experience, uh, the others should kind of like know this too. Mm-hmm. So I find it kind of weird, you know, that they they work in a very different way. Or that, that's my impression. Yeah,
0: no, I think you're right. I mean, it's like me for cooking. I'll say to the, you know, to the boys at work, it's you know if you wanted to go for a mission to start you'd have to change everything you do and you you know i said you would wouldn't enjoy coming into work as much i'd be stressed all you know it's just it's yeah. not a fun and for me cooking's not about that cooking's you know about a lot more a lot more than that and i think it can be a lot more fun than that and you know at the end of the day i want to cook what well, i want to cook if i want to put aubergine with three main courses on the menu i'll do that you know if i want to put you know some weird funky stuff that you know we haven't used before just to try try it you know I, I want to be able to do that I want to put on and I want to interpret it how we want not because you know this company says we should or, or their guidelines say that we should or should not sort of do this we recommend you know we recommend you don't do that
1: <laughs> yeah I totally get it yeah so you, it makes you a bit more flexible I guess and also having a bit of life and talking about life how do you balance work with uh, with personal life i mean it's probably one of the hardest thing for chefs i don't
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't. (laughs) i I have no no personal life so no um it's a lot easier now because the way the industry's moved it's become i've also made it within our business i've made it crucial that you know it needs to happen you know this i don't like these terms of not getting a day off working solid working you know all day don't get me wrong you know when we're busy sometimes we're there 14 15 hours a day and we don't have a break and you know we're used to it and you know we let it pass sometimes that's fine but you know as a business i ensure that everybody gets their breaks everybody takes their holidays you know we've got to run fair because you know i expect that respect back if that makes mm. sense you know and i know if i don't do that and i don't play fair then, you know, why should any of the staff respect me or respect the business? And that's, you know, such a big thing. Um, yeah, I mean, just just balancing it, you know, getting, getting as good a rest as you can, you know, and then, but also, you know, socialising and, and doing what you want to do, you know, enough, if that makes sense.
1: What advice would you give to someone thinking about and not that many people we all know not that many think thinking you know I want to be a chef, or probably they do for a bit and then after they kind of they just forget about that and they do they walk into the finance industry mm-hmm. or something <laughs> like that, but for people that are still willing to join this industry, do you have any advice for for
0: I think for it's them? certainly the most re- certainly the most rewarding thing one of the most rewarding things I've ever done um so I think if you're willing to work hard you know and you're willing to push yourself and you're willing to commit then I think you know I think it's an incredible opportunity but you know in terms of advice you've got to be able to do them three things you've got to be able to want it there's no point walking into a kitchen like there's no point walking into any business and just doing it for the sake of it because you're not going to get anywhere you know you're not going to get you're not going to get anywhere and you're going to be at the point in 10 20 years time where you know, you've wasted it or you haven't made anything when you, you know, you could have really pushed. And I wish a few more people, or a lot more people, would push themselves in terms of, you know, in life and what they do, especially sort of with work. They'd push themselves a bit more to be that bit better because we're all capable of it. You know, yeah. these people are, and I try and push my guys as much as I can. Some people you can push a lot more than others, and that's fine. That's cool. You know, it makes everyone individual and you know, everyone sort of themselves. But I, I do wish people were a little bit more focused on getting somewhere instead of just thinking, you know what, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, move for another 50p an hour or, you know, oh, they're going to give me a grand. So I'm you know, going to move. It's just, you know, work that a little bit harder and you, you will, trust me, you'll get a lot further. Do you think school is needed? Yeah,
1: talking about the people kind of will wi- being willing to start. Would you say that they need to go through a certain process or should they just jump straight into the industry and kind of like learn it from there instead of going to, to college? And I'm not saying just in Jersey, probably even let's say someone from the UK, because we don't want to see, I mean, personally, I don't, I don't think, you know, college is bad here in Jersey or in general, because they kind of like give you some sort of They give you idea. stuff
0: that restaurants don't. You know, I would have never yeah. learned Hassup in the first year at work um, I don't think half the chefs in the kitchen possibly knew HACCP, mm-hmm. you know, or for example, the health and safety yeah. side of it, or the paperwork side of the health and safety. Um, I wouldn't have learned that. So, so yeah, I think it's crucial to have some sort of education, some sort of program to, um, you know, to give you the basics and give you the sort of fundamental understanding of, you know, whether it's running a business or whether it's purely just health and safety because you don't necessarily learn that in a kitchen. I was very lucky to move into a kitchen with, you know, seven or eight professionals. And so, High standard. Yeah, and decent people and, you know, good, good education and good eth- work ethic. And, but, you know, so for me to say, no, don't go to college, just go to work, not everybody's going to get that same, not going to be as lucky to get that same environment. You know, I've been in some pretty poor kitchens over the years, you know, quite shocking in terms of, you know, the actual kitchen, but also, you know, attitudes of staff. You know, managers. You know, really, really poor. So if you if you went from school or from sort of education into that, you know, you would have no chance. And you're either going to end up like that, or you're going to just go. And I think the most likely option is you would just, you know, you'd end up leaving. So, in an ideal world, get into work. Yes, get into the best kitchen you can. But obviously, that you know, that differs for a lot of people.
1: I mean, although you are like really young. Do you have some like in your career? Do you have some funny stories that you want to share with us that you happened to, ex- happened to
0: experience? In- a lot <laughs> of funny stuff happened in the last sort of ten years. A lot of funny stuff. A lot of it I probably, probably couldn't share. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just I think just gen just general banter in the kitchens is fantastic. I think I know banter certainly got a bit of its the actual word banter's got a bit of a um, name for himself in terms of being a little bit. Um, maybe not, a lot of people don't agree with it, but, you know, I think certainly in kitchens, it's it's such an important part and as long as it doesn't get taken too far, mm-hmm. you know, and as long as the, you yeah. know, the senior members or whatever are, are on that and it doesn't, you know, turn into bullying or, or anything like that, which it can quite easily do, as we all know, but I think in terms of just banter, just the jokes, yeah. it's, I mean, it's
1: great. I you. remember you and Alex at the time when I was working there, it was always, and then look, he's now, one of your main guys oh, yeah, in in yeah. the kitchen. Well, I remember he was uh, he was kitchen porter at the time, mm-hmm. and, and between you and him, and Johnny, and always like these kind of conversations. But it was fun. I it's mean, it's all in other it's places. What what people don't understand, you know, it's it's a different kind of environment from this point of view. You're not I mean, not that you're not allowed to get upset. But then if it's both ways, you know, this kind of conversation, it's not bullying. Yeah. (laughs) The problem is it just takes that
0: one person to say that one extra thing. And before you know it, you're in like a spiral of abuse Mm -hmm. and sort of fine. I remember getting, I think Alex, making Alex, an old dead chef who used to work with, he he had made this sauce or something. He got Alex to, to throw it away by convincing him it was like dirty dishwater or something. And he threw this whole sauce away that the chef sean had been working on for for a fair few hours and just seeing the faces on them when, when he realized that he'd thrown it away was uh was hilarious i'm never gonna forget that <laughs> but yeah no, i mean loads of funny stuff we, we have a right laugh and i think it's very important especially with the longer hours to have that sort of um camaraderie within the kitchen
1: keep those uh, vibes yeah you got it you got it <laughs> yeah i agree um so what, what will be your plan what's Tom Rodriguez plan for the for the near
0: future professionally. my plan. Uh, tricky question. There's a lot a lot of stuff planned. Put it that way. Not mm. all of it. I'm gonna share. Okay, um, there is a lot planned within you know within business I am now and you know also other stuff. Um, like say, big that, things. Big things for Jersey, yeah. Okay. I mean, not, ma- not massive. I mean, not- I'm sure we can meet in future yeah, podcasts. Yeah, for so sure, we can, for sure, we for can,
1: sure. We can share more if you, if it's not possible at this point. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I'm not. I mean, you know what Jersey's like, yeah. as we all do. It's not, you know, I'm not going to be giving stuff away. But like I said, I, I always have to be on my toes and always have to be kept busy. So I'm always looking for, you know, new stuff, exciting stuff, ways to move forward. Um, you know, I've been at Samfire 10 years now. The only reason, well, the the reason I've been there for ten years is because I, well, I did a bit of work in London. Decided I didn't want to move there. Did a little bit of work in Oxford, um, and you know I I came back to Jersey because I like Jersey. I like the way of life I had, you know, family friends all that over here. Not that I got to see them that much, <laughs> but they were all here, um, and. Samphi was the only or Orma and Samphi mm. was the only restaurant on the island that interested me. It was the only restaurant that I saw had potential, that had drive and that, you know, I was able to and it was the only place that got me excited about cooking. You know, there was there wasn't there wasn't any other restaurants on the island which sort of excited me or intrigued me. So that's the reason I kept coming back, you know, to Samphire, taking these breaks, coming back and you know, it's the reason I, I'm still here now.
1: Did you see yourself working in like a different country
0: or going? Initially, no, you know, you know, I've worked my ass off for the last 10 years. I really have. I've devoted sort of my whole life to it, you know, missed out on a lot, but, you know, I've now been able to, you know, buy a house with my partner and yeah, you know, we've got that and I look forward to the next sort of five, 10 years over here of, you know, setting up sort of life and, you know, working just as hard, but possibly in different ways um, you know to advance the business and you know possible other projects that you know will be going on um, so yeah I, I'm I'm genuinely excited by it see what comes in terms of working somewhere else for a serious amount of time probably not now um, you know I'm pretty settled here you know I love Jersey um, so yeah nothing nothing in the near future we'll sort of all keep it keep it here for now
1: so whichever the plans are we will be here in Jersey
0: yeah, no f- no further than the okay. UK, put it that way.
1: Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, so if people want to find your cooking, find more about you, well, part that you want to share, obviously, where can they find you? Social media or? <laughs> There's
0: a couple of cheeky videos on YouTube, I think, of cook- lockdown cooking. Um, yeah, social media, Instagram, and yeah, you know, the Sunfire's website and all that. I don't, I don't have too much of a, a social media thing. Present. present just because yeah, i don't time. feel not even that it's just not something that you know there's a, there's a big part of me which would like to just not have any social media i only got instagram under two years ago you know because I, I wanted to get it purely for work and for sort of career but yeah i mean i, I probably should be a bit more switched on with like linkedin and all that but now i'm just i'm not but no instagram professionally
1: instagram and what's your your address if people want to find you and kind of like <laughs>
0: good question <laughs> yeah uh it is i think
1: it's like something chef rather but i can't it is. remember chef
0: it. chef underscore right yeah okay
1: perfect so if people want to see like what what's going on the campfire, how the cooking is going there yeah. what, what exciting news and menus yeah, or you
0: come in come in and eat or come in for a chat you know we're constantly getting people a lot of students walking in and you know just coming for a chat or a bit of advice or you know we're, we're always supporting people to come in the kitchen do a day in the kitchen
1: oh yeah you still do the master, yeah. we, do, master- we do we do them but you know yeah like yeah remember classes. the classes,
0: but more so you know students from college come in just experience a day in the kitchen you can taste everything have some stuffed food with us and you know we won't pay you for it but it gives you an insight to wow and in all- other
1: places you will have to pay exactly for it. and there's not, <laughs>
0: not many kitchens that will sort of open arm um, um uh, uh, uh welcome you with open arms yeah you know to, to sort of experience that for so mm-hmm. people
1: that want to basically have a better understanding of how a kitchen runs or how some runs mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. under your command like just come in. just come it. in and that you know yeah. send an well, email that's cool that's really cool actually yeah, if people listen to this or watch us because we'll be both on mm-hmm. on audio and video uh yeah chef underscore adige get it sorted yeah thank you tom it was great i really enjoyed this it was a great conversation because we kind of bump on into mm-hmm. another every now and then but we never really had the chance to mm-hmm. talk for that mm-hmm. long uh i'm sure i'll see you in future episodes mm-hmm. uh whenever the big plans are happening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. When, when you have more to share with us i'm sure we'll see you around and yeah thank you so much cool. it's been an absolute pleasure
0: thank you very